Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. In this fertility episode, I am joined by Elise Ash, founder and CEO of Fruitful Fertility, a fertility mentorship service where you can become someone's support or find the support you need. It took Elise and her husband, Brad, three years, two rounds of IVF, and one frozen embryo transfer to see their first positive pregnancy test, which brought them their daughter, born in March 2018, and led to the creation of Fruitful Fertility. Elise lives in Minneapolis and loves poetry, hockey, social justice, Beyonce, and pretending she's into yoga. We'll discuss Elise's personal experiences with infertility and how to build your trying-to-conceive tribe and get the support you need. I'm so excited to be here speaking with Elise from Fruitful Fertility. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, Josephine. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited as well. So, you know, as I shared in my intro, you had your own experiences with infertility, and now you created your company, Fruitful Fertility. And I love sharing the various stories of how people navigate infertility in order to raise awareness about the struggles associated with trying to conceive and to help those in the thick of it know that they aren't alone and the feelings that they're having, you know, during this difficult time are feelings that many of us have shared in various ways and in our own journeys. So why don't we start with with that, Elise? Why don't you share with us about your own journey trying to conceive? Sure. I mean, I think my story sounds pretty similar to a lot of different uh, stories that I've been hearing now that I've heard quite a few stories, but I think it started pretty similarly where uh, my husband and I, we always knew we wanted kids conceptually, you know, as an idea, but we weren't really like uh, very eager to get going on that after we got married. We were excited to kind of just live as a married couple, travel, go to baseball games, hang out with our friends, go to parties. Like we were very social um, and just excited to enjoy each other. We knew that having kids was a huge responsibility and we knew it would change everything, but we didn't want to rush into anything. So we spent time on our careers. We spent time together working on our marriage and being together. And we didn't really have a sense of urgency. So after a couple of years of being married, we realized, okay, like maybe now would be a good time to have kids. Some of our friends were starting to have kids and it became less scary and more like, oh my gosh, this could be really exciting. So, you know, two 30, early thirties, healthy seeming people, you know, you're taught when you're a kid, just how easy it is to get pregnant. And you're taught from every health class, just you know, be careful, don't get pregnant. And so I think we just thought like month number one, it would be, okay, positive pregnancy test. But that was so not what happened. It would actually take us three years and two rounds of IVF to see that first positive pregnancy test. And 
we just were not anticipating that story at all. We had no idea what to expect. We had no idea it was going to cost us so much money. We had no idea how misunderstood we were going to be by our friends and family who had always supported us and been awesome. And it was really just an incredibly um, stressful, depressing, isolating time for us, um, both individually and as a couple, for sure. So um went through a year and a half of trying on our own. I'm incredibly type A. And so it took a couple months before I started charting and, you know, tracking my ovulation and making sure my temperature looked good. And basically like learning all about supplements and this thing, like I was trying to get an A in infertility, basically. Like I was just like trying to cram my way out of it and learn my way out of it. Um, and then it wasn't until our first reproductive endocrinologist appointment where we learned that, uh, I had cysts on my ovaries at our first baseline ultrasound. We learned that. And I will never forget the reproductive endocrinologist came into our room and she said, the good news is we know why you're not getting pregnant, but the bad news is you have cysts on your ovaries and we think you have endometriosis. So uh, let's talk about options. So we started talking about, you know, if it made sense to do IUIs, um, we had very low odds of an IUI working with our particular diagnosis. And we were paying entirely out of pocket. So we were having to make these decisions that um, were just so stressful financially on top of the emotional stress as well. So decided that we were going to skip IUIs, go right to IVF, um, did our first round of IVF and um, did not have any viable embryos to transfer. So we decided to do a frozen embryo transfer hypothetically so we could do genetic testing. And the two blastocysts that we got both turned out to be abnormal. And so we took a little bit of time off to decide what did we want to do. That was probably the lowest point in the journey where I just felt like, is this worth it? Is any of this worth it? This is so much work. It's so expensive. It's so hard on my body. I'd never seen a positive pregnancy test. I didn't know if my body could get pregnant. I didn't know if we could make normal embryos and it just felt so exhausting. Like I was kind of ready to just stop. Um, but we decided to give it one more try. We did our second round of IVF and we ended up getting three normal embryos after genetic testing. And our very first frozen embryo transfer worked. That was done in the summer of 2017. And so we now have a two and a half year old. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. I mean, it's, it's, so funny. It, it's, it's long and um, it's weird also because I think in this community where we hear so many different types of stories, we just think like, oh my gosh, I didn't even struggle that bad. Like in the time, it feels so long and endless. But then when I'm like, oh yeah, our first embryo transfer worked, um, mm. I feel a sense of like, wow, that was easy. Like, isn't that so weird that my, my instinct is to be like, oh my gosh. And that wasn't even that bad, even though for us, it was incredibly hard. Right. Yeah. I totally hear you on that. Yeah. Everyone's journey is so different. It looks so different. And that's uh, one of the things, one of the reasons to open up the conversation is to just, you know, share everyone's different experiences and make it less taboo and hopefully find some comfort in hearing that other people are going through it, no matter how different it looks from your own journey. Yeah. And trying not to compare like your journey to other people's journeys. Some people spend more time, less time, more money, less money, more miscarriages, fewer, like there's always going to be somebody who has been trying 
longer, harder, has had more trauma and vice versa. So you really just have to learn how to um, give yourself grace and try not to compare and just like, let yourself be sad. Let yourself be disappointed. Let yourself feel whatever it is you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a lesson with just everything in life. And, but especially with something so emotionally difficult as this, it's really key to remember to, to let your own experience stand on its own and not to, to lessen it because it's not, like someone else's who's maybe gone through longer, like you said, who's had more loss and different things like that. Every feeling that you're feeling is so valid and should be felt and, and, and work through. And so I'm curious, you know, you had all of that, you went through all of that. And how did you come up with the idea of creating your company, Fruitful Fertility? Yeah. So this came from a very personal problem I was having, which was my friends and family who had always been able to support me through breakups and moves across the country and like every single tough situation we'd been in did not know what to say to us at all when we were going through infertility. Like they're the most empathetic people on the planet. And they still all the time were like always saying the wrong thing, always asking the wrong thing. I hated feeling like I was having to educate everyone about like basic human biology. Mm. Um, And so I was really looking for other people who I could connect with. And it was sort of trial and error. Like I joined a couple of Facebook groups, um, but I didn't really like how it was the same, like 10 people who were always posting all the time. It was always about like them and their trauma. There wasn't like a lot of space Uh, For other people's stories, it just felt like maybe not the safest place to open up about really intimate stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I found my way into an in-person fertility yoga workshop, which started as an eight-week course and then kind of morphed into a weekly uh, fertility yoga and support group type of uh, class. And so the gals from that class, and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, so it was based here, and it was in person once a week. And we would all go and it was this like beautiful, amazing thing where we would all share where we were in our journey. Uh, We were all kind of at different points. Like some people were really early. Some people um, were going, getting ready to do IVF. Some people were getting ready to do embryo adoption. Like it was all people's uh, plans were all totally different. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool and useful for probably a year And then it ended up being kind of a stressful situation because the problem with like getting a bunch of women together who all want to get pregnant is that a lot of them do end up getting pregnant. And so if you're very triggered by other people getting pregnant or you're feeling abandoned by your friends or you feel left behind, like that feeling can only get exacerbated sometimes. Mm So as someone who was feeling very sensitive to pregnancy announcements and was already feeling a lot of loss with my regular friend group when people would get pregnant, not know what to say to me, and then kind of move on. um, I was really looking for people who understood infertility, knew the acronyms, knew what questions to ask, like knew what was going on, but weren't actively going through it anymore. And I have someone in my life who I'm very close to who is very involved in Alcoholics Anonymous And I remember thinking like, wow, it'd be really cool if you could have basically like a sponsor, like how in Alcoholics Anonymous, when you go to the meetings, you kind of meet a sponsor and you decide organically, you know, you talk to different people. Um, There are other people who've been in the program for a while. It's very organic. 
Um, you pick the person that you want to work with and they can kind of help guide you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great idea. This could totally work for infertility where it's someone who, again, knows the language, knows what you're going through, but they're not like competing with you. They're not going through their own trauma anymore. They can really be that person a couple years ahead saying, hey, did you ask this? Oh my gosh, don't go to that baby shower. You totally don't need to go. There's someone who is not in your friend group who you don't owe anything to. Um, there's a level of anonymity where you can feel safe, you know, sharing your deepest feelings about your sister getting pregnant. You don't have to feel guilty. So I really liked that idea of basically Alcoholics Anonymous meets Bumble, but for infertility. It was kind of the idea I had. Um, and then my husband is a software developer and computer programmer. And so I told him, I was like, God, I wish someone would make a program like this. And he's like, well, why can't we make it? So we launched in April, 2017. We were still very much in the middle of our own journey. Mm-hmm. And so that was something crazy too, is we were building this community. We were working on Fruitful. We're trying to get the word out. And that really forced us to be open to the world about our infertility story, probably a little bit earlier than I would have liked. I feel like a lot of times people really share their struggles after they have like, you know, the rainbow baby photo or the photo of all the the needles. And like once there's like the happy ending, quote unquote, but it's so hard to share when you're still in the middle of it because people ask you all the time, they're like, how's it going? You know, what's the next step? What, like, are you pregnant? Like people are just really excited. And so that was something I didn't even think about until we'd like basically launched. And I was like, oh gosh, now everyone forever is going to think of me as like infertile girl. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that I totally love this idea and you're right about all of those different points of, you know, finding a group, but then, but then them, you know, your friends in that group get pregnant and that's very triggering for, you know, what's triggering for myself and for many of us. And so I just love how you have this role, like you said, like Alcoholics Anonymous, where it's someone who's there to support you, who's been through it, but doesn't, you know, is like this outsider outside of your circle that you can really just talk to about like all the deep, dark things that are that you're feeling. And I just think it's so amazing that uh-huh. that you guys did that. Thanks. I mean, the cool, the coolest part of the program is actually how, based on the questions we ask, we're really able to match people based on a lot of really specific information. And so depending on your age, your location, your religion, your values, like, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Like, if you don't, then talking to someone who's going to say that a lot could be incredibly harmful as opposed mm-hmm. to really supportive. So we take all of that into consideration. Um, if you've had any losses or miscarriages, uh, if you have any other diagnoses or health concerns, um, if you're into nutrition, if you're into acupuncture and holistic pathways, if you're thinking about adoption, if you're an LGBTQ family, like we basically take all of these different aspects and then use that information to make you the best possible match. That is fantastic. I love how you take all of these different aspects of things that you may not even consider into account. And so how, how does it work then to be someone's mentor? Um, Yeah. So we are a two-sided network. So people can sign up either to become a mentor and offer emotional support and healing towards somebody who's in the middle of their journey, or you can sign up to be matched with a mentor. So people who uh, are in the middle of struggling, who might be at the beginning of their fertility journey, maybe in the middle, maybe they're getting ready to start IVF for a second round or, you know, looking to learn more. 
So there is this two-sided um, community. So for mentors, all we ask is that you struggled with infertility and you're now quote unquote on the other side of that experience. So it doesn't matter if you became parents, if you chose not to, um, however your family looks is totally fine. And honestly, like we look for really diverse mentors who have an assortment of experience because that's how we can best serve our mentees. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then, yeah, our mentees can sign up Uh, for mentees. It's a, for mentees, there's a one-time application processing fee of $50. You pay one time Um, and then you're matched through our private app, which you can download either uh, in the Apple store or Google play. And that's how we make all our connections. So it's a chat app that you can, you know, be introduced through that app first. That's for privacy and security. Um, And so we can make sure people are getting the right level of service um, and troubleshoot if there's anything, you know, weird or sketchy going on. Um, But yeah, and then people can feel free to explore that relationship in their own time and in their own way. Obviously, before COVID, things were different, but we definitely had people who met in real life, who've become friends. We've heard some awesome stories of people who now have like playdates with their kids. It's like such a beautiful thing. And because of the nature of the program, we have quite a few mentees who now have completed their families and are ready to serve as mentors, which is so awesome too. There are people who said, I found so much value in this community. I love what you're building. I want to help someone else. I want there to be purpose to my struggle. I want to give back. I learned so much about myself, about my body, and now I want to pay that forward. Right. That's amazing. I love that. And then how, you know, you mentioned that you can get to know each other via the app to see if it's the right fit. And uh, aside from the relationship, are there other events that that you create for the community or other um, benefits on it? Yeah. So right now we're pretty focused on the one-to-one component. We are looking to find ways to potentially expand that community. We have a mentees private, um, we have a private mentees only Facebook group. We have a private mentors only Facebook group, but right now that's really the primary focus. There are a lot of other amazing fertility communities out there. And what we don't want to do is, you know, add one more thing that's pretty similar to what everyone else is doing. So mm-hmm. we are looking ways to kind of expand our offering, but I think it would be more on that peer support one-to-one or maybe even like small cohorts of people. Um, there are just so many cool online communities and we want to make sure that we're doing the most we can from this perspective. Right. That's amazing. I love that. And then in terms of being a mentor, cause I'm, I'm, pretty much asking now for myself. <laughs> um, uh, is there like typically a length of time as to how long you're working with someone? Um, I mean, it kind of depends, right? Right now things are pretty open-ended. We are looking to create some more specific boundaries. I think when we launched this, my assumption was like, oh, well, people are going to want to create their own boundaries. Some people might want to be like very involved. Some people might only have a little bit of time to offer. Um, But now what I'm learning uh, through this experience is that people do crave more um, boundaries and more specific rules to the program. So we are looking to create a better mentor training and onboarding system where there would be more specific boundaries around how many messages or how long you could spend with somebody. But I think what we really encourage with our mentors is to make sure they're being really upfront about the expectations of the program and what they're able to offer. We have some mentors who you know, really just reply if a mentee reaches out. We have some mentors who 
have scheduled like a weekly or biweekly call with their mentee at a specific time. Um, it's really whatever works best for the mentor to help create the boundaries and help create the cadence of those conversations. And for the mentee to be able to respect that the mentor usually has a lot of other stuff going on too. They're volunteering their time to help support. So over time, I think those relationships can sort of ebb and flow and change and people can get closer. Um, But we really want to make sure that the mentors feel comfortable and like they have their own privacy and space as well. I love that. I love the the format that you've created. So in addition to, you know, this service that you provide and seeing as how you went through your own journey of trying to conceive, do you have any advice on how to really seek the support that you need uh, in order to get you through such a difficult time? I think the most important thing that you should be aware of is having a pulse on your specific needs and how they change over time. And sometimes even the same day, like I think sometimes we think something might help us and then we join it or we pay for it or we look at it and we realize, Hey, this isn't really working. And what I wish people would do is be more open and more tuned in to what's helping alleviate anxiety and what's creating more. Like for me, the example was going to that yoga workshop felt really good for about a year. And then it stopped feeling good. And when it stopped feeling good, that was when I sort of started to disengage and find other things that did feel good. So I think we need to do a better job of being honest with ourselves, whether that's you know, going to acupuncture, whether that's being really involved in the Instagram community. I know a lot of people join and they feel so awesome at first, like, oh my gosh, here are my people. Here are mm-hmm. my people who like understand the stress of waiting to hear how many of our embryos made it to blast. Here are people who understand how scary spotting can be in the first weeks of, you know, a pregnancy. These are my people. But as anything else, like there are you know, people on Instagram who can trigger you or there are stories that can feel toxic or content that doesn't feel good. And the thing about Instagram or any of these other social media platforms is they're designed to keep you on the platform. And they're also creating content that's completely out of your control. You don't know what you're going to see when you scroll. You can mute people, mm-hmm. you can unfollow people, but you never know when someone is going to post something that upsets you. And so I think you just really need to know when these communities are serving you and helping you and making you feel less alone and when they're adding to the noise, adding to the, you know, oh, did you get this test? Oh, did you ask this question? Oh, are you doing this? Like, I think you just need to be really tuned into yourself and what's working for you, whether that's community, whether that's quiet, whether that's opening up, whether that's journaling and going inward or meditating, like whatever it is that feels good, do that. Don't judge yourself for not enjoying something that somebody else enjoyed or that you think you should be enjoying. I think that's great advice, Elise, you know, because oftentimes we, we go into things so hopeful and we're in need of this support and in need of connection, right. And community. And then we just keep chugging at it and keep trying. Even when we do get into those moments of feeling triggered and you're right, things will just pop up on their, on social media that you have no control over. And it's hard to admit that, you know, this isn't working for you because 
you don't want to have one other thing that isn't working for you and you're so in need of of support but that key that you mentioned is being able to be aware of how you're feeling and then tuning into like what will make you feel good in that moment and what will support you in that moment or maybe like what's not working for you that week you know like there's no need to you know if if instagram's upsetting you you don't need to like delete your account or make some big you know announcement you can if you want to of course but Maybe you just need like a week where you delete it from your phone. You know, you get to decide, you get to make up the rules. And the other thing too is you get to change providers or you get to change resources if something isn't working for you. So when I first started trying to conceive, I found a acupuncturist who had come highly recommended to me by my best friend. She had had a miscarriage and she was seeing this acupuncturist and she was really excited about her she's really, really intense and like intense about nutrition and um, just very intense is the the way I would describe it. And so I went to go see this acupuncturist and I think I probably knew after the second session, like we weren't a good personality fit. Like I'm all for nutrition, but it was feeling very shamey and it was feeling very like, well, do you really want a baby? Because if you did, you wouldn't eat donuts you know I mean it was just feeling like a little um a little shamey for for my specific style but for my friend Mm -hmm. she like loved this woman so I ended up still seeing her for another like six months or something before I was honest with myself and said like hey this is not working I like I like acupuncture I don't like this person and then I went and found someone else who I loved yeah yeah that is great advice yeah same same exact um, thing for me, except this time it was with our reproductive endocrinologist, you know, our very first one. I just, I stayed with him for so many years because I thought that, you know, this is a prestigious hospital. This should be working. And this was, you know, we were early in the whole process. So it was scary to think about starting over and scary to think about, well, this didn't work and this was a failure and now I have to move on and start from scratch. But, you know, it's to your, to your total benefit to be able to just pause and be honest with yourself about how you're feeling in that situation and having the courage to, to look around and see what really fits for you because there will be a better match. You know, after that, I, I switched to a second facility that was just so much better. It was world's like a part different and it was scary at first, but it did work out. So I, I love that you bring that up to the conversation. I think we have this weird thing also where when we've spent enough time with somebody, when we've invested either dollars or emotional energy, whether it's into a relationship or a friendship or with a particular provider, um, sometimes it can be harder to detach and realize this isn't working for me just because like, it's easier to stay with somebody. I mean, anyone who's been in a relationship that isn't working knows this. It's like, you know, your relationship is dead and you still stay in it for another six months. Cause you're like, right. it's scary to change or to like make a decision, like, as opposed to knowing what I'm getting with this person. So I think just knowing when you're doing that and being able to say like, this is working, this isn't working. And then moving on and being decisive and not necessarily like piddling around. Like I know there's so much anxiety in this community about timing. And things. Mm-hmm. 
and waiting and feeling like things are moving too slowly. And I think that's another fear too, is we think, well, if I have to start over at a new clinic, how long do I have to wait? How long can I get on their schedule? How long until this test? Now I have to wait for my day three labs. Like, but I think we lose sight of the bigger picture sometimes. And I think we get so obsessed with the immediacy of like, I just want to get this done. I just want to move on. I just want to like get to the next phase that we don't necessarily think through all of the different components that we should be thinking about. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. There is that, that pressure of time in the back of our minds constantly when we're in this process. Well, and sometimes it's warranted if you're someone who has like a very low ovarian reserve, like there's a, you know, there is an urgency to those decisions, but I think the, that shouldn't come at the expense of like, mental health, being on the same page as your partner, feeling good and confident about the decisions you're making, like it can wait a month, you know, a month isn't Mm going to make or break it. Right. Yeah. I'm always about the power of the pause, which is what I call it. Um, Oh, I love that moment. Yeah. Just taking that moment to really evaluate how you're feeling, what your wellness is, what your situation is. And like you said, it doesn't have to be the super long wait or pause can be something as simple as a day where you check in every now and then. But that was one of the things that I found in my own journey. I just kept chugging along and just doing cycle after cycle. And then it wasn't until we had that second trimester loss that forced me to stop because I had to stop and grieve. And then that was when, you know, after that, that I finally paused and considered the fact that I I couldn't do it anymore, which is how we ended up switching over to international adoption. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I I don't think we as a society have really mastered the art of the pause. We're very go, go, go. We're constantly in fight or flight. Everything has this huge sense of urgency. We love quick fixes. We want to like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Like we're just, (laughs) we're obsessed with this, like, turn on the faucet and let's go. And I think that's just like not how our bodies were designed to work. And that's not how our minds work either. Like we need time and we need space to actually feel what's happening, to be able to process what's happening, to work through it, to create an environment where, you know, our body is ready to conceive. And I think that's just something that we're not as a society used to doing at all culturally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's how life is. It's just moves so fast and we're just keeping along with it, you know? Well, I totally enjoyed our conversation today, Elise. I really appreciate share, you sharing about your community on fruitful fertility, as well as all of the advice that you shared with us. And I always love to end the podcast with a shift into a positive mindset, which is why I'd love for you to share one gratitude that you have for today. I am very grateful for these last days of summer. I live in Minneapolis and just really trying to soak up every butterfly, every hummingbird in the backyard, knowing that the season is going to shift and just feeling grateful for all the this beautiful nature and life that we get to see when we're home and during uncertain times. It's just such a beautiful reminder of the seasonality and how things change and shift all the time. That's a wonderful gratitude. I miss the change of season. I grew up in, I was born and raised in Chicago and now I'm in LA and I just, fall is my favorite. So I'm super jealous that you get to experience that. You won't be jealous come uh, January, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
so in the spirit of giving and receiving, I'd love for you to share how we can support you and your vision and where everyone can find you. Thanks so much, Josephine. Um, the best thing that you can do is spread the word to anyone you know um, who might make a good mentor or might benefit from this program as a mentee. So you can visit our website at fruitfulfertility.org or you can follow us on Instagram at fruitful underscore fertility uh, or on other social media channels too. But those are kind of the best ways you can support us right now. Amazing. I'll be sure to include all of that information in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Elise. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate the work that you're doing in the community. So amazing. Oh my gosh, me too for you. I really appreciate um, all of your work and how you support this community and keep showing up and finding new and creative ways to touch people and really help change mindsets. It's so, it's so important. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this fertility episode with Elise Ash of Fruitful Fertility. The journey of trying to conceive can be such a lonely, overwhelming, and frustrating experience. The benefit of living in a more connected society these days is that we don't have to feel so isolated while trying to conceive. One of the things I wish I had back when I was starting my own journey to create my family is a support group or a mentor who understood what I was going through. If you're in the midst of your own journey right now, consider reaching out for help and support via organizations like Fruitful Fertility. The ways to connect with Fruitful are listed in the episode's show notes. And as a reminder, I now have fertility and parenting-specific meditation sessions and workshops available on my website, jatlurie.com. Be sure to check it out along with the free video meditations that I have posted on my site. And sign up for that monthly newsletter that comes with a free meditation download. For daily inspo, please check me out on Instagram at Josephine R. Atlery and at Responding to Life Podcast. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.